Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, today uh, we are continuing our series in the book of Ephesians, and it's appropriate that we would dedicate children today. Um, the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at is, uh, deals directly with healthy marriages. And, uh, and this is so important to God's purpose and plan for us. It's so important to what God has for his church as well. And this is a passage that I typically will share uh, at every wedding I do. I feel, like, I feel that strongly about this passage of Scripture. Um, and so I, we're going to dive into it. We're going to work through it a little bit. Um, and so I just want to caution you. Uh, if you're a, a lady and you're here, um, it may start a little rough for the ladies in the house, but don't worry, it'll circle around, it'll work itself out, so be patient with me. Give me a little bit of grace as we start, and we'll be fine, I promise. Uh, so just to remind you, Paul was writing to the Ephesian church, um, and this was a group of believers, and there wasn't anything major he was trying to correct or fix, but he was just encouraging and, and helping them kind of stay on track. And so last week, or two weeks ago, um, as we led into this passage, we were looking at a verse in, in Ephesians 5.21 where he talks about submitting to each other, and we'll mention that at the end of the message today, but it talks about submitting to each other, and so that's the segue into the portion of Scripture we're in today. It starts in Ephesians 5, verse 22, and it says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now that verse is enough to get a few ladies in here just a little bit, like, right? Like, some of you, your heart rate went up just a little bit when I said that. And the reason is this, because so many times this passage or this verse has been used as a weapon against women. Um, because uh, there, are, there are guys that are not Christians, but they can quote this verse, right? <laughs> they know it by heart. Woman, you need to submit. They will say that. And it becomes, a, it becomes a weapon. And that's really not the heart of this verse at all. Uh, what Paul's trying to do is help um, help husbands and wives understand what their roles are in the marriage and then also help the church understand what it means to be the bride of Christ. And so he says here, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And this word submit here, it's a Greek word. It's hupotasso. And hupotasso has a couple of meanings, uh, one of which is used more in the military sense, and it means to arrange. And so uh, it means to arrange in a similar way that you would arrange uh, maybe a, a unit of soldiers, you would get them in order, you'd put them in position and formation under a leader because a group of soldiers without a leader uh, might be able to do some damage, but they'll never do what they need to do. And so Paul's trying to help the church understand, hey, uh, we need to arrange ourselves in marriage in a way that we can do the most for the glory of God. And there's also another way you could look at it. Um, so it's used in the Greek, in, in the ancient Greek, you see it in a military sense, but you also see this word used in another way. Um, and it's used in a non-military sense. And, in, and when it's used in a non-military sense, it means uh, to submit or bring into submission or to subject or bring to bring into subjection. So let, let me explain it to you this way. How many of you uh, have a car, you drive a car? Anybody have a drive? Okay, a couple. Yeah, good. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, so you drive a car, you're driving down the road, and there's a, these signs next to the road sometimes. I don't know if you've seen them. Some of you drive as if you have not, but they're white signs with black letters and numbers on there. What are those signs? Anyone? Speed limit signs. Right. Speed limit signs. We see them. We know them. Um, and 
there was, there was a, a lady, a girl in our church, she was in the first service today, and I passed her um, coming from Blairsville to Indiana, and uh, I came up behind her. She had a Summit sticker on her car, and so I, rec- I was like, oh, hi, Summit, and then I pulled up next to her, and she was 10 and 2, good driver. I mean, no iPod, nothing. I mean, locked in, straight ahead. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to try to get her attention, so I just went on. So I told her today, I was like, hey, I'm pr- you're driving the speed limit, and I said, yeah, I passed you, so that must mean something, right? <laughs> But what she was doing is she was saying, I know what the law is, and I am submitting to the law. I'm subjecting myself to the law. Does that that make sense to anyone? But this is what can happen. Maybe you're wired more like me, and you ignore the white sign with the black letters and the black numbers, and you're going along, and you're minding your own business, and uh, all of a sudden you see some shiny lights in the rearview mirror, maybe some disco lights, and they're not having a party they are, they're giving you a gift though, right? It's a little slip of paper and uh, maybe a summons to appear or something like that. And so all of a sudden you have to pay a fine. So what is happening is that police officer is doing their job and they are saying, if you're not willing to submit, I'm going to make you submit. If you're not going to subject yourself, I'm going to subject you to the law. And this is what we're looking at. And this is really a heart issue for us. Uh, When it comes to the issue of submission, uh, in in a specific sense, we're talking about wives with husbands, but in a broader sense, we're really talking about our hearts in submission to leadership and authority that God has put in our lives. Um, Because we don't like to submit. We don't like to um, put place ourselves or arrange ourselves or to subject ourselves to someone else. Um, But this is what scripture calls us to do. In fact, did you know Jesus submitted in his life? And thank God he did. Uh, He was in the garden before his crucifixion, before they took him for his trial. And he prayed the prayer. And he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Do you know what he's saying? I don't want to go to the cross, but if you want me to, if that is your will, I submit to you. And thank God he did that. Um, Even as, as a child... We don't have very many accounts of his childhood, but as a 12-year-old, in Luke chapter 2, it tells us that as a child, his family went um, annually into Jerusalem, and so they were coming out, and they were traveling with friends and family, and so a couple days went by, and they realized they didn't have their child with them. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Have you ever misplaced your child before? You felt pretty bad for it, like maybe at the grocery store, you know, a neighbor's house. It was just a couple of days. It was fine, Right. They've, they forgot the Messiah, the king of the universe they left behind, right? So that's a big deal. So they realize we've left Jesus. They go back and find him, and he is in the temple. He's teaching. He's, he's having religious conversations as a 12-year-old with, with rabbis, with learned religious men, and he's holding his own. And they, they bring him back, and they're like, what are you doing? Your mother, you worried her sick. I can't believe. You know, can you imagine that conversation? Now, this is what you have to understand. Um, Jesus was the son of God, even as a 12-year-old. So I, I truly believe he could have, he could have, he could have um, displayed his deity if he'd have chosen to. But he didn't. Do you know what he did? He submitted. In fact, Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2, he subjected himself to his parents. He said, you know what? You are my parents. You're my, you're my authority. God has put you in my life for a reason, and I'm submitting myself to you even though I'm the God of the universe, right? 
There was none of this, do you know who I am, moments with Jesus. He submitted himself. And if Jesus will submit himself and subject himself, why in the world could we not submit ourselves as well and and subject ourselves, especially to people who love us and that we love? Um, In Romans chapter 10, there's a passage, and I've mentioned this, I don't know, a month or two ago. um, We talked about knowledge and what knowledge is, that uh, an epignosis, the Greek word for knowledge, and one of the Greek words for knowledge, means an experiential knowledge. And we talked about this passage, so I want to read this to you again. It says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, talking about Jewish people, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So what Paul is saying is they have a zeal for God, but they don't know him. They don't have an experiential knowledge of God. So they know facts, but they don't really know him. And he goes on in verse 3 to say this, listen. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, so not understanding the righteousness of God, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So I would tell you this today, even well-intentioned religious people cannot, can at times miss submitting to God. They were well-intentioned, but in their zeal, they missed relationship. And because they didn't truly know God, they didn't know God's heart, and they failed to submit themselves because how can you ever truly submit yourself in a way if you're not trusting? And so so what we see here is that well-intentioned good people can fail to submit themselves to godly leadership, godly authority in their lives if there's not a level of trust there. And this is what I would tell you today. Um, there was conflict between Jewish religious leaders and Jesus. In fact, they, they had him murdered. They had him killed on the cross. And Jesus willingly gave his life, but he used the Jewish leaders to, for his purposes, to do what he needed to do. Um, so what we see is where submission is lacking, conflict is abundant. Um, let's take this out of the context of marriage for a minute. Um, think about your workplace. If you've got a manager or a boss who uh, nobody likes, maybe there's all kinds of jokes about him. Oh, gosh, you know, Jerry, can you believe Jerry? And oh, Jerry, you make jokes about Jerry when he's not around. And if you're Jerry in the room, I just picked the name, okay? So <laughs> it's not about Jerry. Um, but man, Jerry's the butt of all the jokes, and nobody respects Jerry, and everybody makes fun of him behind his back. I can guarantee you there's dysfunction in that workplace. I can guarantee you there's going to be conflict in that workplace because there's no submission. You will, I work for him. No, that's different than having your heart submitted to someone. So just because someone's above you on a flow chart does not mean you're submitted to them. Does that make sense to anybody? Our hearts have to be submitted. And that's really what, what God is looking for, is that we'll be submitted not just not just to our husbands, if you're a wife, not just to our bosses, but to each other, that we'll submit to each other in love. Um, when we talk about submission, what it really is getting down to is a heart of selfishness. Um, I want what I want, and it's in conflict with what you want, so somebody's got to lose. And this is what I know. I've said this to you before, but um, when I go first, there's opportunity for conflict. When you go first, there's opportunity for relationship. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Has anybody ever been driving through Pittsburgh about 5 o'clock? Maybe you're trying to get to the airport. You, you're trying to get through the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Does anybody know not that nightmare? Yes? you got 18 lanes of traffic merging down to four, and it doesn't matter what lane you're in, you're supposed to be in the other lane. And for some reason, all the pagans in that lane won't even let you in. There's not a single godly person in that lane to let you over. 
You're sitting there for 30 minutes just waiting with your blinker on and finally you start edging in, like nosing in slowly and the person acts like they don't see you and they kind of go around you. They lower the gap. I mean, what happens? You start to feel the conflict, don't you? You start to feel that pressure inside you, don't you? And then, then maybe you'll have that one godly person on the wave you in. You get over and you feel like your best friends. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I can't believe, right? Now this principle is true. We can joke about it, but the principle is true. If I go first, there's, there's opportunity for conflict. If it's about what I want and I force my way, and it's going to cause conflict. But if you go first, if I submit to you and yield to you, there's opportunity for relationship. See, in, in our zeal to be first, and our zeal to have our way, we run over relationship. And we don't like the word submission, but what we're really talking about is healthy relationships today. It says in verse 23, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Um, when we think about the word head here, don't think about it in terms of um, of a flow chart of an organization. So if you're part of a company, maybe there's a flow chart, and at the top of the flow chart's the CEO or the, the boss or the owner, whoever it is, and that's what we think of as the head. But that's not how we should think about it in these terms. What we really should be thinking about is the literal physical sense. Because the Greek word here that's translated as head, it, do, you know, do you know what it means? Can I tell you? It means head. Isn't that powerful? Don't you just get the nuance on that? But it's talking about our literal physical head. It's not talking about some sort of, um, some sort of um, you know, word picture. What it really means is our body. And so when we see this Greek word used in history, it's commonly used in, in, uh, in medical uses. So talking about the physical head, or it's talking about, listen to this, in, in terms of capital punishment. So the Greeks would use this word talking about cutting someone's head off. Uh, and so what Paul's trying to communicate is it's not some figurative language. This is literal. Paul's saying the, the man is the head of the wife. He's the head of this body. And, and sometimes we don't like that because we go, well, that sounds like the, the, the rest of the body's not important. The wife's not important, but it absolutely is. You can't live without a head, but you can't live without a heart either. Did you know that? And where the head may be represented by the husband, I would tell you that in many ways I think the wife is represented by the heart. And we can't live without the rest of the body either. A head without a body is pretty much useless, I think. Unless you believe it can be frozen cryogenically and brought back in a thousand years. But that's probably not going to happen, right? So do you need the head? Absolutely. Do you need the rest of the body? Absolutely. But what Paul's trying to help us see is there, there are roles. There's, there's places that we fit in this picture. Um, has anybody ever heard the phrase uh, running around like a chicken with your head cut off? Has anybody ever actually seen that before? Yes. Oh, yeah. We've got some rednecks here. That's cool. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> farmers. Okay, fair enough, farmers. Um, so uh, I grew up in Oklahoma. My granny lived out in eastern Oklahoma, uh, middle of nowhere, Dustin, Oklahoma, population 310, I think. And uh, I would go and spend some time with my family out there. When I was real little, uh, my granny had a piece of property, and um, my cousin had some hogs on her place, and she had some chickens. And I remember as a little boy uh, that she went out and wrung a chicken's neck. And I'd never seen that before, but after that, I was terrified of my granny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just had this image of her wringing my neck. Anyway, um, but it was crazy. I'd never seen that before. But after she had wrung the chicken's neck, the, the chicken wasn't done yet, right? The chicken 
ran around like a chicken with its head cut off. And the reason is, this is what you have to understand, there was activity in the body, but there was no life. And this is what happens so many times. If there's a husband and a wife and they're disconnected, uh, they're not functioning with the same purpose and the same heart and the same direction, what happens is the, the head and the body are disconnected and there might be activity, but there's no life. And God's desire for healthy marriages is that there would be unity and that there would be life. See, an organization without a head might do lots of things, but they're never going to accomplish everything they should because there's not the direction, there's not that place. And so this is what Paul is calling us to in marriages, is to be healthy, to, to, to submit to leadership, to the wives to submit to their husbands in the same way that the church submits to Christ. Now, if I came here and said, guys, you know what? I want to let you know there's some things Jesus has been laying on my heart, but at the end of the day, we're not going to do any of them because I'm pretty sure I know better than he does. You would be like, uh, it's time for us to find a new church, right? There's something wrong with this guy. And in the same way, um, when, when wives are in a marriage with a godly man and and, and he gives leadership, we should be willing to submit and say, okay, I might not agree with you. It might be difficult to do what you think we're called to do, but I'm going to trust you because I can trust your heart. We're going to get more into that in just a second. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So I love this because it says, as the church submits to Christ. You know one of the reasons we can submit to Christ? Because we recognize his heart for us. We recognize he has loved us the way he does. He cares for us the way he does. And I'm not talking about the corporate church. I'm talking about you as the church, you and I as the church. Why can we submit to Christ? Because I've seen how he loves me, how he cares for me, what he wants to do in my life. And when I recognize that, it is easy for me to submit to Christ. It is not a challenge for me to go, okay, you know what, I trust you. Because I've already seen what you want to do. See, what we said earlier, we've got an experiential knowledge of God and of who Jesus is, and it makes our hearts come alive. We go, okay, you know what? What you're asking me to do is terrifying. It's a little bit scary. It makes me a little nervous, but I trust you. You know, it was, uh, yeah, about four years ago this weekend. I'm getting all my tears out in this service. Uh, about four years ago this weekend, my wife and I got on a plane and we flew to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The first time I'd ever been to Pennsylvania. We drove to this little town called Indiana to check things out to see if maybe this was, maybe it was God's will for our lives. It was scary. Because you know how close my family is to here? 18 hours. My wife's family is 21 hours. We knew nobody here except for the board members that we had met as we talked online and, and talked on the phone. And when we came to check it out, it was scary, but we said, God, we know you are good. We know we can trust you. So we're going to submit to you, even though it's a little bit hard, even though it's a little bit scary, even though I don't really know what this is going to look like. We trust your heart. And this is the picture that God wants us to have uh, in the church and in our marriages as well. There are times that if we are in a marriage and you're a lady here and you're, you're following a godly man, he's, he might say some things you go, are you sure? I don't know about that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if I would do that. But if you go back and go, but I, I know I can trust you. I know I can trust your heart. So I'm, I'm going to submit to you and to your leadership. It's not easy. It's hard. 
And I get that, but that is what God's calling us to do. So ladies, just want to let you know, um, I laid out some pretty difficult things here, right? That's not easy to do. Nobody gets excited about that. Hey, ladies, we're going to talk about submission today. And the ladies just, woohoo, right? It doesn't happen. I got good news for you. The tables are turning. It says, in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is... A portion of the scripture is repeated from Ephesians 5, verse 2, where he says almost the same thing in Ephesians 5, 2. But he's telling the husbands. He says, husbands, love your wife. And he doesn't just say love your wife, because that's a no-brainer, isn't it? That husbands should love their wives. But he sets the standard for it as well. And he says, and this is how you should love your wife. In the same way that Christ loved the church sacrificially and gave himself up for her. I wasn't really expecting a lot of amens from guys there, but thank you. You're a sucker. <laughs> uh, when my wife and I, we lived in Oklahoma City, and I've told you before, she, she had a counseling practice when we were there, and um, it was one of the best things for our marriage uh, because she would come home at night after she spent time talking to couples or whatever it might be, just dysfunction and just hatefulness and all kinds of difficult situations. And she'd, there'd be times she'd come home and she wouldn't even tell me any details or anything. She'd just say, I'm so grateful for you. And I'd go, that's right, you're grateful for me. <laughs> Never forget it, Missy, right? <laughs> I've said this before, uh, I might only be a four, but compared to a two, I look like a 10. So what she was doing was comparing me to some pretty terrible situations. And she was going, man, th I'm, I'm thankful that I don't have to deal with that. And, and I could find some comfort in that. And I could go, that's right, I'm not as bad as those guys. Those guys are terrible. They're cheating on their spouse. They're, they're verbally abusive. I don't do any of that stuff, right? I must be pretty good. You might do the same thing. Maybe, maybe you look at somebody you're related to. We're about to get to Thanksgiving. You're going to encounter all kinds of family members, and you're going to be feeling better about yourself, right? You, you see some of those family members, and you're like, whoa, wow. Glad I only see you once a year, right? Makes me feel good about myself, though. And that's the wrong attitude to have in our relationship with our wives. Because what we need to do is instead of saying, well, at least I love better than they do, at least I don't treat my wife like they treat their wife, what we need to do is change the standard. And the standard needs to be the love of Christ for his church. And what we need to be saying is, do I love my wife sacrificially with the same kind of love that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? And if not, I'm not where I need to be yet. That's much, much, much more challenging than do I love my wife better than Jimmy loves his wife. Better than my cousin loves his wife. Better than whatever it might be. So when we really look at the standard for what it is, ladies, yes, I know it was hard for me to walk through that. We submit. But when your husband loves you sacrificially, isn't it so much easier to submit yourself to him? And when, and when a wife will trust and respect her husband in godly leadership in her home, it's so much easier for the husband to love sacrificially. 
See, this is a beautiful picture of the way marriages work, but it's also a picture of what God wants his church to look like. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Let me move on. Verse 26 says this, that he might sanctify her. So he loves, Jesus loves the church sacrificially. He gave himself up that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, when you read this, um, it looks a little bit selfish because we're the bride of Christ. So what it says is um, Christ is redeeming us so that he might present himself to us without spot or blemish or present us to himself. And it seems a little bit selfish. It's like, well, yeah, of course he would want a perfect bride. So that's why he's doing the hard work. But really what he's doing is investing in us. He is blessing us. He's making us better than we are. And so let me, let me read this same passage to you from the message version. It's just a plainer, um, a plainer English language version than, than we read sometimes. This is in Ephesians 5. I'm going to start in verse 25 from the message. It says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. I just want to pause there for a second. A love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. So my question to you is, husbands, is the way you love your wife making her better? Is it helping her become everything God wants her to become? Is it helping her be everything God wants her to be? Everything she dreamed about being? Are you helping her be a better version of herself? Because if all you do is expect dinner to be on table at a certain time, expect the kids to be managed and the laundry to be done, I don't think you're truly loving with the same heart that Christ has for his church. Because that's a love marked by, here's what I expect of you. Here's what I get out of this relationship. But what Christ did for us and the way he loved us is to say, hey, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to love you sacrificially so that you can become who I want you to become and who you need to become. So if we love our wives to the point that it serves us and helps us, then we're not loving them right. And Paul actually says, um, if, if, if we love them sacrificially, we're really serving ourselves at the end of the day because we're one in, 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 in marriage, uh, and, and not in a sexual way, but we're one in spirit, one in emotion. We walk together. We should be unified. And so what Paul is saying is, if you really love your spouse, the best thing you can do for your spouse is to love them sacrificially. Because you feel like you're giving something up, but you're not. Because if you're really one in marriage, you're building up the team. So that's what Paul's saying here. So my question to you today, husbands, is do you love your wife sacrificially? Do you love your wife so well that she's better, she's becoming who God wants her to be? And if not, then something needs to shift. Verse 28 says this, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery, and remember, if, if you think back over the course of the series, uh, this word mystery has been used over and over and over. And so Paul's really trying to help us see that this is a mystery, but it's a mystery we can grasp. And so that's why he's painting this picture of what it is. He said, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So he's saying, um, he's saying this, if you want to know what a healthy marriage looks like, find a healthy church who is submitted to Christ and doing what Christ wants them to do. Because a church that's doing that understands the price that was paid for them and will respond with a heart of gratitude. Like I said earlier, it is no big deal for us to submit to Christ because we understand what Christ has done for us. So submitting to Christ is the least we could do because we recognize his heart of love for us. So he says, if you want to know what a healthy marriage should look like, go find a healthy church. And then he basically says, if you want to know what a healthy church looks like, go find a healthy marriage. You know, we've got some incredible pictures of godly marriages in our church, uh, people who have been faithful to each other, who serve each other, love each other well. But I'm telling you, when you find a couple who's been married a long time, who the husband understand what it means to love their wife sacrificially, and the wife responds to that heart, and, and she is submitted to her husband and the godly leadership, and she trusts her, her husband, uh, there's something beautiful about that. But I think all of us want a marriage like that. And the thing about that is, that is a beautiful picture of, of us as Christians, as the bride of Christ, what that looks like, how we trust God, how we submit ourselves. And so Paul's trying to say, uh, this is a mystery, but it's a mystery we can understand through this picture we're painting. See, we talked earlier, um, we submit, like our hearts are submitted, or we're brought into submission. And this is what you have to understand. Um, we submit not because we have to, we submit because we want to. Because yeah. we recognize the, the heart of God. Um, and, and God will never make you love him. He just won't do it. But scripture makes it clear there will be a day um, after this world is gone and we will be in heaven. And on that day, it says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There, there will be a day, and by then it will be too, make, too late to make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. But that, on that day, we will kneel before God. And it's not because God's going to say, everyone kneel. No. What's going to happen is we are going to be face to face with the incarnate presence of God. And we will recognize what we may not have recognized before. And we will fall to our knees and we'll declare him as Lord. Because again, he's not going to make us submit, but there will be a time when we submit, even if you don't do it now. So what God is saying to us today is, have a submissive heart, number one, to our Heavenly Father. When we do that, I'm telling you today, my relationship with God helps facilitate every other relationship in my life. The healthier my relationship with God is, the healthier every other relationship in my life is. Every other relationship. Whether it's a, my, my wife my kids, or the, the folks that work at this church, or team volunteers, whatever it is, all those relationships are healthier when my relationship with God is healthier. So if I know how to submit to God in a healthy way, it makes it easier for me to submit to the people around me in a healthy way as well. Verse 33, we're wrapping this up. says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And what Paul really does is he breaks this down in this last passage and he says this. He says, um, this is a 
a picture painted with a broad brush, but I'll say it this way. Um, women need to be loved. They need to feel loved. And men need to be respected. They need it. They, they crave it. Make fun of a lot of Hallmark movies around here. If you don't think women need to be loved, you have never watched a Hallmark movie before. <laughs> and there's a reason men love um, macho men movies, right? Revenge movies. Something happens and the guy comes back and kills all the gangsters and right, wins the day. It's because we want to be respected. We long for that. Even as little boys, we long for people to respect us. And what Paul says is, if you want a healthy marriage, guys, make sure you love your wife really, really, really well. And, and, and ladies, do your best to respect your husband. Because this is what happens when we, when we joke, joke about our spouse, it causes damage. And one of the things I try to never, ever, ever do is joke about my wife. Because I never want... I never want to cause her harm. So I want to guard her. I want to protect her. I don't want to undermine the feeling that she's loved at all in any way, shape, or form. And she does a wonderful job of, of honoring me and respecting me. Uh, she doesn't undermine me. Uh, she doesn't crack jokes about me in public, things like that. And all those things seem harmless, but they erode the trust. They erode the sacrificial love. They erode um, the submission that we long for in our marriages that help create and build a healthy marriage. So I just want to challenge you today, guard your words, guard your heart, make sure the things you say and the things you do are displaying sacrificial love for your spouse and displaying a heart of submission for your spouse as well. Um, this is what you have to understand. Um, he says, husbands love your wife sacrificially, wives submit to your husbands, but that is not mutually exclusive. It doesn't mean that those are our roles. What we should actually understand is it's my wife's responsibility to submit to me, but it's also her responsibility to love me sacrificially. And it's not just my responsibility to love her sacrificially, it's my responsibility to submit to her. So there are lots of areas of our lives that I say, babe, I, I don't know, I trust you. I, this, I say this with my staff a lot too. Somebody will bring an issue to me, a problem or a question, and I'll say, well, what do you think? And they'll walk through it and I'll go, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not really sure, I trust you though. So I, I, I trust you, you, just do, you do what you, you think is right. And what I'm really saying is, I'm submitting to your leadership in this area. I'm still the boss, I'm still the leader. I don't give up my authority, but what I'm saying is I trust you to make that choice. I trust you, so I'm submitting to you. Yeah. See, sacrificial love and, and submission is a two-way street. And that's what we need to endeavor to do. That's what we need to endeavor to be. See, Jesus offered sacrifice for us. He loved us sacrificially. He invites us to do the same thing, to love others sacrificially. He submitted for our behalf, and what he's asking us to do this is the same thing. We submit for the glory of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, I read this a couple weeks ago, I'll read it to you again. It says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you may be here today and you say, but Mel, I don't know if my spouse deserves for me to submit to them. You don't know my spouse, and I don't know your spouse. I don't know your situation. But you say today, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I can, and I would respond to you this way. We don't submit because they deserve it. We submit to bring glory to God. Out of reverence for Christ is why we do that. You've got a boss that's horrible. 
You don't submit because they deserve it. You submit to bring glory to God. That's what we do. That's not popular, but it's right. Um, You might be here today and you say, um, Mel, I don't feel like loving my spouse sacrificially. If they would just take care of this, if they would just stop doing that, if they would just, then I. But, but Scripture doesn't tell us to do that. Scripture doesn't say, um, love your wife as Christ loved the church unless there's no qualification on there. It doesn't say, wives submit to your husbands as the church does unto Christ unless. This is what I've discovered. If I love my wife sacrificially, no matter what she's doing, no matter how I feel, It'll begin to stir something up in her where she wants to submit her life to me and submit to leadership and godly, godly leadership in our home. Um, and, and there are times that she doesn't feel like submitting to me because maybe I'm not loving her sacrificially. And if she will make herself do it, not for me, but for reverence to Christ, then something comes alive in me where I go, yeah, okay, this is who I'm supposed to be. It awakens something in us. It brings something to life. So you might be here today and you're married to someone that you go, man, but they're, gosh, they're not who they need to be. I get it. None of us are who we need to be. We're all on this journey. It reminds me of a a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said this. He said, treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. But treat a man as he could be and he will become who he should be. So your spouse maybe isn't the man or woman of God that you would like them to be, that doesn't mean you don't treat them as if they are. You treat them as if they are the man or woman of God you want them to be, and God will help them get there. You honor them. You support them. You, you love them sacrificially, and you see what God does in your marriage. I promise you it'll change everything. And you know what? It might not change your spouse, but it'll definitely change you. And in our marriages, um, you can't control what your spouse does or thinks or feels but you can control what you do and think and feel. So I'm challenging you today. Um, Some of you aren't married, but you will be someday. Some of you, maybe you're single, you're divorced, whatever the case may be. Um, There's potential in this place for just about everybody to be in a marriage relationship. So I want to challenge you this way. If you're married and you're in this place today, I want you to ask yourself, not what does my spouse need to do different, but, but God, help me see what I need to do differently. Help me see where my heart is wrong. Help me see the times that maybe um, I haven't approached my marriage in the healthiest way. Help me see the times that I needed to love sacrificially and didn't, or I needed to have a submissive heart and didn't. Help me see the times that I'm critical, that I, I make jokes, that I undermine the leadership in my home, that I undermine the fact that I love my wife sacrificially. Help me see these things, God, and God will reveal them to you. And my challenge to you today is do something about it. Make an apology. Uh, Have a conversation. Do something about it. Not next week. Not when you feel like it. Do something about it today. Because God will show you. He'll reveal it to you. So take that step. If you're here today and you're single, maybe you're not married yet, you probably will be someday. And if you are, this is where you begin to, to put these principles into practice right now in your heart so that when you're married, you don't have to make a shift. God's already prepared you for what's to come. So I'd like everybody in the room just to bow your head and close your eyes. God, we love you today, and we're so grateful 
for the relationship we have with you. And I'm grateful that we have opportunity for relationship with you. So if there are people here today who don't know you, aren't in relationship, God, I pray that today would be the day where they would discover how good it is to know you and to be submitted to you, that they can trust you, they can trust your heart, that you love them sacrificially, and you're inviting them today to be a part of of, of who you are and what you want to do in their lives. So God, I pray that we would not be resistant to that. Lord, we would be submitted to you because we know we can trust you. God, I pray for, for couples that are here, that are struggling. Lord, whether it's just a little bit or maybe they're on the brink of divorce, God, I pray today that these principles we've heard from your word, we'd begin to apply to our hearts. And God, I pray that it would change everything. Lord, help us see that we can't change our spouse, but we can let you change our hearts. So God, I pray that we would submit to you and let you do the work in our hearts that you need to do. God, if there are attitudes that need to change, Lord, if there are things we say that need to change, God, if there are actions we need to begin to take or stop taking, Lord, I pray that that would happen in our lives. Lord, we would see improved and healthy marriages. Lord, families would be healthier and ultimately you'd be glorified because of it. So God, have your way with us today in this place. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I just want to ask you, I said earlier that every relationship begins with a relationship with God. Every healthy relationship begins with a healthy relationship with God. And if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with God, if you're here today and you're not really serving Christ, you're not walking with him, but you know you need to be, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I've got some relationship issues, but the number one issue I have is I need to make sure things are right with God today. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it down. Yeah, thank you. A couple of hands. Thanks. Over here on my left, I see a couple of hands too. You can put your hands down, ladies. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, over here. I see you in the center section. Over here on my right. Thank you. Praise God. Awesome. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? You say that's me? Yeah, I see you back there. Praise God. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat this really simple prayer with me. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thanks for loving me and thanks for saving me by paying for my sins by dying on the cross. Today, take my life and use it for your glory. Help my life display your goodness to this world. I'm never going back to my old sins or my old life. But from this day forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give God a round of applause today. Praise God. Now listen, for those of you that responded, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And this is just the first step of many. God wants to work in you and do some amazing things in you. Scripture tells us that, that you are new. So you might not feel new, but I'm telling you, you are a new creation today. Um, the circumstance of your life might look the same, but you are going to walk through it differently because you're not walking through it alone. We want to help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, there's a card like this one in the seat back in front of you. Take just a moment, fill this card out and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Let us know about your decision so that we can help you take the next step. If you're watching online or maybe you can't reach one of these cards, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. Let us know about your decision and we can help you take the next step in your faith journey. Here's what's going to happen right now. Uh, the worship team's going to lead us in a final song. Our prayer team is available on either side of the stage as we begin to sing together. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, uh, maybe it's 
uh, has to do with this message today. Uh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you just need some physical healing. You need God to work in your life. Whatever it may be, as we begin to sing, step out from your seat, find one of our prayer team members, let them agree with you in prayer. And then in just a moment, uh, after we sing, Steph McCoy is going to come up and she'll close us out. Uh, but please don't leave early. We want to worship together. And if you're here and uh, you know God's been working in your heart today, I want to challenge you. As we sing this last song, just ask God, what do I need to change? What needs to be different about me? And then submit yourself to God and ask him to help you make those changes in your life. Stand your feet all over the room. Let's worship God together one more time together before we go. And guys, I tell you this often, and I tell you this regularly. I hope you know it, and I hope you know I mean it. I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys.